I'm Carissa Andrews, international best-selling indie author and CEO of Author Revolution. With more than 15 books published, it's safe to say I have made a ton of mistakes in my endeavor to become a full-time author. The most important thing that I've learned in the past decade is that indie authors need to protect their creativity and their serenity. Being an author is a long game, and that's why I'm on a mission to teach other indies just like you how to publish books with a sustainable, rapid-release method. I created the Author Revolution podcast to give you insights and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you do just that. If you're an ambitious author or one in the making who's looking to create a long-term author career and a life you love, you've found your tribe, my friend. Let's get your author revolution underway. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Boy, do I have a special treat for you today. Indie author, marketing guru, David Gochran is joining us to talk about promo stacking and how to best leverage free and discounted books. About a week ago, I stumbled on his new video on promo stacking. Okay, admittedly, I'm on his email list and I have been taking his incredible free course starting from zero. More on that in a moment. (laughs) But anyway, in this new video, he talked about how to best leverage book promo sites for new releases and backlist marketing campaigns. Promo stacking has played a big role in my own campaigns in the past. And when I watched the video, I knew I needed to ask David to come on the show and talk more about it. He so graciously agreed to be a guest. Now, David is an historical fiction author, as well as a nonfiction author, helping thousands of indies to self-publish their work. His books include Let's Get Digital, Let's Get Visible, Amazon Decoded, Strangers to Superfans, BookBub Ads Expert, and Following. He's been featured in The Telegraph, The Irish Times, The Guardian, The Irish Examiner, The Sunday Times, Huffington Post, Business Insider, Forbes, Mashable, and more. I know without a doubt, you're going to enjoy this interview and get some invaluable insights into your marketing strategies. So I won't make you wait any longer. Let's get started. Obviously, thank you so much for joining me today, David, for being on the Author Revolution podcast and uh, saying yes to this crazy notion of joining and talking about all the things that you do. So I've introduced you in the podcast already, but why don't you go ahead and kind of reintroduce yourself and what it is that you do? Well, uh, my name is David Gochran. I'm I'm an Irish author, although I'm living in Portugal at the moment. Uh, I just moved over here just over a year ago, just before everything started shutting down. So I haven't really gotten to see uh, the country yet. Um, But I write historical fiction and I also write books for authors as well. And I have a YouTube channel and all sorts of other stuff as well. That's fantastic. So now I got to know about the whole Portugal thing. How did that happen? Well, I've been I've been eyeing up a move for for quite a long time now. It's something like ten or fifteen years, and it just I, I I've always wanted to do it. It just wasn't practical until recently, and so we just we we bit the bullet then at the end, right at the end of two thousand and nineteen. That is awesome. Talk about fantastic. That that's like a, one of those big moves where people go, "How in the world?" Now now, why Portugal? Was it just something that you've always wanted to experience? Um. Growing up in Ireland, we used to go to Portugal and Spain quite a bit on holidays. And I, I just always loved Portugal and always wanted to move here at some point or retire here or spend a, a good chunk of, of time living here. And I've actually been here a few times before, you know, for a few months and when I was writing a book and things like that. So I was always kind of 
you know, kind of toying with the idea of, of making the permanent move. And then just the timing was right at the end of 2019. Well, except for the whole world going to hell in a handcart, except for that part <laughs> right? of the timing wasn't exactly perfect. But I'm actually glad we made the move before all that happened, even though, you know, we didn't get an opportunity to make friends and stuff like that yet here. Oh, but, for sure. you know, we've, we've got a lot more space. We're, we're living right beside a forest and a, and a beach. So, you know, if we want to get out there, but be away from people, it's very easy to do that here. So. I was living right in the city centre in Dublin in a small apartment and a very noisy apartment. So I wouldn't have been able to do all these things on YouTube and other things that I'm playing with at the moment. That's fantastic. See, it was definitely meant to be then. Even even if it did go to hell in a handbasket, at least you're able to to enjoy your space in a little more peace and quiet, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, that that, that has been huge, definitely, because um, my apartment in Dublin just turned into a massive construction site all around it. They were building these huge office blocks, like all these companies moving to Dublin because of Brexit. So, like, there was massive big buildings being built and these foundations just being drilled from, like, 7 in the morning every single oh. day. So I had to get out of there. That would be brutal. That's like trying to record these types of videos when all the kids are home for distance learning. I've got four in my house. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the worst yeah. I have is the, the neighbor's dog and he's so cute. You can't be mad at him, but he's definitely made an appearance in a few of my YouTube videos now at this point. Yeah, you might even hear our dogs. I have them in their little kennels. They're, they're huskies. <laughs> and of oh, course, lovely. when they get to, I don't know, disenfranchised, I guess you'll start hearing them howl or talk. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, geez. And they get <laughs> hungry every 10, every 10 minutes. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Okay. So obviously we're, we've got a lot to cover in this uh, episode. There's so much that we could unpack and I would love to pick your brain forever, but we're going to keep it, try, try to keep it kind of narrow. But in the beginning, I mentioned, um, you know, who you are and that I've taken your starting from zero course. And that as a, you know, someone who's been in the, in the author business for 10 years, it, it was very helpful. Even for me, I was trying to get a refresher uh, as I was putting out my latest series last year. And so I really wanted to kind of see, okay, is there any kind of new stuff that I'm missing? Anything that I can start to incorporate? So even though we're going to be talking about promo stacking here in a little bit, is that a really great place for newbie authors to kind of join your world and kind of learn more about what you do and how you teach? Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it because, you know, while I'm used to getting one-star reviews as, a, as an author that's been around for 10 years, you tend to pick up a few along the way. I've never had one live. So I was a little bit nervous there for a second when you started talking about it. But um, yeah, like the, the, the whole idea of the course actually came from me trying to manage my, my email inbox a bit better because like I've always got a few projects on the go and I get a lot of emails from authors and I'm always trying to find better ways to manage that kind of inflow of emails, if you like. And, and usually if I'm getting a lot of emails on a particular topic, it means that I don't have a, a good enough blog post on something or I need to do a YouTube video on something. So the whole thing about starting from zero was, was literally me being lazy, even though it sounds like a weird way to be lazy to, to, to make a whole course. Right. It, it, it really was like the number one question I was getting, and especially in the last kind of year and a half. I just started getting lots and lots of emails from authors just saying like, you know, what, what, what do I do if I'm starting from zero? Like, or, you know, all this stuff you're talking about, about email automation or about Facebook ads or about whatever else is, is all very good. But how do I actually get started? Like these things that you're saying seem to assume that you're already set up, that you already have, you know, your email list up and running or that you already know how to do something like promo stacking or that you even know what a promo site is or that you know how to brand your book or that what is actually a good cover for your genre, all these basic questions. And I think, you know, self-publishing has just gotten so much more complicated from when I started 10 years ago that yes. there is that kind of gap now and that kind of gulf, you know, where, you know, we sometimes don't realize that we've picked up all these little skills and all these little acronyms and jargon and, and just like 
knowing which site to go to for a certain piece of information. And that, you know, is someone arriving today? Well, I don't think it's that much harder for someone starting today. I think they face broadly the same challenges. There is a lot of stuff that they just need to get set up with before they can really get going. So I wanted to give someone a kind of like gold-plated start in self-publishing, just like try and get them to focus on the right things as well, you know, because... I, I get emails from authors who mightn't have even released their first book yet and they're talking about how to run these complex Facebook ad campaigns. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. like get, get two <laughs> or three books out first, you know, focus on the promo sites first, get your email list up and running first before you start spending money on Facebook ads or, or spending a year or two learning Facebook ads, you know, because it does take a lot of time as well as a lot of money. So I felt like newbies were kind of focusing on the wrong things. Like they were, they were trying to jump to very complicated strategies, like maybe rapid release or something like that before they'd even release something, you know? And, yeah, and yeah. that is a difficult strategy for an experienced self-publisher, let alone someone who hasn't actually released anything yet. So I tend to find, well, this doesn't describe everybody. Some people like seem to spring forth fully formed and can do everything. I don't know. I, I don't know where to get all that information from, but- um, <laughs> They're Athena think, in, in I, nature. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, you know, I think there's a danger when you start, you know, looking at these kind of flashier, more complex things that you skip over the basics, like, like how sure. do I position, how am I positioning myself in the market? Your, your blurbs, you know, your keywords, like, like things like this, that you really need to have perfect or else, you know, you're not going to get the return that you need to make Facebook ads work or other complicated marketing strategies. So I just wanted to get all that basic stuff, but it's a lot of stuff and just walk people through it. Teach it them is. how to, you know, learn their niche, you know, go and find two or three categories on Amazon that are suitable for their books and look at how those books are presented. Look at the style of blurb because that, you know, varies. Like there's a massive difference between a blurb for like an urban fantasy novel with a sassy protagonist than, you know, some nonfiction history book or even a historical novel, you know, <laughs> right. or even, even science fiction. Like there, there could be a different point of view in the novel. And then there's probably going to be a different point of view in the blurb. There's definitely going to be a different language, a different way that you talk to readers in your, your email onboarding sequence and um, on your Facebook page. Like there's all these things that they need to grapple with and that are different from genre to genre. And just to start training them to look for the shelves in the Kindle store where they put their books and then make sure their books fit in with everything else. Because I think especially those who are on the more artistic end of the spectrum tend to want to stand out rather than fit in. You know, they, I know they I definitely to... started like that in the beginning, whereas like yeah, I wanted yeah, mine me... to be as, as different as possible, but I have a graphic design background. So that was like my, I need to be artistic with it. Yeah. And then I, that all went out with the bathwater that was gone. Yeah, and <laughs> These are things you have to learn. So like, even if you're, even if you're good with graphic design, you don't realize that, you know, the cover is a sales tool. It's, it's only job is to get people to click on it and you want the right, right people to click on it. It's not, it's not that it's not supposed to be pretty. It should be pretty too. That like, you, you really want it to look good as well, but it's what most importantly, it should look like, you know, not just like a romance, but like a historical romance. And even if you're writing historical romance, it should look like a Scottish themed historical romance. It should have a burly chap with a sword rather than, a, a, you know, a lady in, in a nice ball gown. You know, and right. these little differences are important and you've got to learn them. You don't need to learn them for every single niche. You know, you just need to learn them for your niche. And you need to package your book so that it's like a bat signal to readers. So it tells them straight away, this is the kind of book that you love. 
And you can't be too subtle with that. This is probably something you had to rein in as well with your graphic mm -hmm. design background where, you know, graphic designers tend to have these huge monitors that take up half the room, right? And, <laughs> and so they all, <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like the Battlestar Galactica or something. But right. when, a reader, when a reader encounters your book for the first time, it's, it's not even on the nice sized image on an Amazon product page. It's often like that, that stamp, you know, that thumbnail size. Thumbnail, yeah. In, in an also bought or in a BookBub email or in search results or in something like that. So it really has to be kind of simple, striking design. So you, you often only have two seconds or, you know, two milliseconds to grab somebody's attention on, right. on the internet. So it has to be really obvious. Like, like there's a reason why all romantic comedies have a cartoonish blonde weighed down with shopping bags or why all thrillers <laughs> will have a, a dead body or a bullet or police tape. You know, it's not because the designers or the publishers or the authors are lacking in imagination. It's because they know you only have a second to grab someone's attention. And you do that by saying, this is the kind of book you love. Right. That is really important. And I think there's a lot, there's so much, I don't know, you, when you talked about the blur part, it just makes me think too, there's so much that's changed even the past decade that since we started that, you know, it, even if you don't get a really good grasp on it now, just continue to learn that, that concept of it, because you're going to keep coming back around. And by the time you really hone in those skills, the copywriting skills or whatever the, the case might be that you're trying to learn your genre. It, it'll tweak a little bit, but it'll, you know, it'll change. It'll shift just a little bit, but it makes even more sense in your brain as you're kind of going through the whole process. Or maybe you meet better people to help you create those things too. Yeah, that's something I had to grapple with a lot personally when I started in 2011. Um, I was coming from a print mindset, you know, because eBooks hadn't, certainly hadn't taken off in Ireland. They were just starting to take off in, in the US. And it's something that I still have to deal with a lot when I'm talking to authors who are from my part of the world and um, because they're they're coming at it from you know all their authorial dreams involve like having you know a hardback in the window or or drinks with their editor or all these all these other things and i have to try and get them that to focus on the ebook market so they have to optimize their entire business for for selling ebooks and it's not necessarily because we think ebooks are better it's just because they're easier to sell right right and and then when it comes to ebook marketplace we have much more of a level playing field there than we do in the print marketplace like i would love to sell a million you know paperbacks a week but it, it's it's far easier to get uh, digital sales going than it is to get print sales going not least because you're not going to be in every bookshop um across the country when people can actually go to bookshops but you know it's 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 not just availability it's not just distribution it's it's marketing it's so much easier to reach um, an owner of a Kindle than somebody who shops in their local indie bookstore. It's so much cheaper to do that as well. And you're facing far less competition for their attention. And you can track your efforts as well. So you, you can optimize. So Absolutely. that's the reason why we focus on the ebook market. And once you realize that, it kind of opens up your mind for all these other things that you were talking about, that my blurb doesn't need to be set in stone. I can change that anytime I want. I can change my cover anytime I want, my price, you know, my title even. You know, there, there's, there's all these right. various things that you can tweak. Like some are easier than others, but um, right. you cer certainly your blurb. Like I, I, I don't tend to publish the, the best blurb on day one because often it's something <laughs> I don't that think I anyone does. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and usually when like, you know, I, I, I start removing the typos and the errors and, you know, the, the fact that I was talking about the wrong book or something if my head is really swamped. Um, and then it starts to get tighter and tighter. And then usually after, you know, the first couple of reviews come in and a reader who has that emotional distance from the book just sums it up in a second. I'm like, there's my new tagline. Thank you very much. And then right. I stick that into the blurb. Um, so, yeah, but it, you have to learn that you're able to optimize and tweak these things yeah. in an ebook world that you can't really in a, in a print world. It's much more difficult. 
Well, what's really nice though is like if you have that aspect where you have where you're pushing the, the promotions for your ebook, but you have a paperback book or you have an audiobook, it usually will filter in some degree to those if if your reader happens to see the ebook version of it, but they're actually a paperback buyer, they could end up buying the paperback even though the the promotion is actually for the ebook version. At least I found that. Have you found that to yeah, be the case? Yeah, certainly. You will you will always see a little bit of spillover into into your other editions. And um, they don't it doesn't always go back in the other direction. And I think that's just a function of how Amazon's recommendation engine works. Like for example, someone buys an ebook, Amazon will if you've got WhisperSync on that e- on the audiobook edition, Amazon will push it to them for, you know, it used to be $1.99. Now it's often something more like $6.99 or $7.99, but they will push it. So if you get a spike in ebook sales, you will see a little bump at least in your in your audio and to a certain extent with paperback as well. But it doesn't go the other direction. Like if someone buys the audiobook, I wish they would offer them the ebook for you know 99 cents or something. And then we could see both kind of you'd see more of a synergy if you like. So I wish Amazon kind of linked up all those pieces a bit more, but it's cool that they do it at all because some of the other retailers don't even do that. So I'm, I'm that's very true. For okay, so um, obviously this past month you came out with this new training video, and we're we're going to talk about promo stacking because for me it was kind of one of those things that I stumbled on. Oh gosh, it probably would have been 2018, 2017. I don't know, somewhere in there, and it actually helped my first book, my first ever book that came out in 2013 become an international bestseller. So promo stacking. So when, when I saw your videos and I saw how you were laying everything out and, and your recommendations that you then posted in a blog post afterwards, I was like, this is awesome. This is, this is exactly what authors who are looking to really make a splash with their books need. So can you give us a Cliff Notes version of you know, what you were talking about in that video? Obviously, I'll link to everything so that people can go back and watch your video and, and check out the rest of the, that entire awesome blog post. But I would love for you to kind of share a little bit of how promo stacking works and why authors need to know about it. Okay, so um, the basics are this: like a, a promo site. In case anyone is unaware of the real basics, uh, it's just a, it's, it's like a Groupon for books, where readers will sign up, they'll indicate the genres they like, and they'll get a daily deals email in whatever genres they prefer. You know, and usually the books are free or ninety nine cent. Um, promo stacking is where you run a number of those promotions usually for like four or five days in a row to try and tickle Amazon's algorithms into recommending your book. And this is something that we, on the algorithm side, that we figured out probably back in 2012 or 13. There's people like Phoenix Sullivan who were, and Ed Robertson and Dave Geary, they were really cracking the Amazon code. And I was learning from them. And they, they figured out that, you know, if you do all your promotion on one day, like often this is the way traditionally people would launch a book or promote a book. They would hit everything at once. They would hit their mailing list. They would you know, do all their promotion and have everything rolling out on, on launch day. And a book will go really high in the charts and that still works. It will go really high in the charts, but it'll also fall really fast. And if you've ever been lucky enough to have a book book featured deal, which is not just the biggest promo site out there, but probably four times bigger than all of them combined, um, you will have seen that effect. It might have thrown you into the charts. It could even throw you into the top 50 on Amazon, but then you'll fall very fast afterwards if there's nothing else you know, in the mix. Second. And Am- Amazon's algorithms are explicitly designed to do that. It's, it's not so much that they force your book down, uh, like I've heard some people describe it. Actually, I've described it incorrectly like that in the past. <laughs> so sorry. Um, it's not that they actually <laughs> actively force it down. It's like, like these algorithmic bouncers just you know, shoving you out the door. <laughs> it's more that gravity in the Kindle store is a hell of a thing because I often think of it like you know, salmon going upstream and they're all leaping over each other like hundreds of salmon at once. If you've ever seen that, it's quite amazing. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of pushing each other down and, and, and leaping above each other. 
And that's what's like in the Kindle store. You've got, I think, nearly 8 million or maybe more than 8 million ebooks in the Kindle store now. And while not everybody is aggressively promoting all those books every day, there's a good chunk of books in every single niche which are being aggressively promoted every single day, whether that's through Amazon ads or Facebook ads or just new releases or whatever else. So if you do nothing, if you stand still in the Kindle store, you're going to get stampeded by all these books that are actively promoting. Um, and so that's what happens if you have a book bub one day and nothing the next day. You're basically standing still and you're getting steamrolled. Right. So we figured out... Um, that if you can string together, like if you spread your promo, like if you split your list over four days, or if you take, spread your Facebook ads over four or five days, or if you get promo sites, and instead of having them all in one day, to have one on Monday, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, you won't go as high in the chart. So you won't have that same level of bragging rights, but you'll stay around for a lot longer because Amazon sees that you're not just a one trick pony. It's not just a flash in the pan that this book looks like it has some staying power. So Amazon sees. Um, a few days of consistent sales, usually four, usually five to be safe, I, I find is, is, is the way I like to structure it. Then Amazon will say, okay, well, maybe this is a, a, a book worth recommending to our customers. So Amazon will start recommending your book either on site in various places around the site. Like there's literally millions of slots around the site where Amazon recommends books. And Amazon sends out millions of recommendations every day to, to users by email as well. So it'll start doing both of those things. And then depending on the response, it will either continue to do that or do it even more, or it'll stop doing it if, if people aren't acting on the recommendations. So it's not as simple as flicking a light switch, but your very best chance of getting Amazon to recommend your book and to do the selling for you is to have four or five days of consistent sales uh, instead of just a, like a one-off spike. So if you can manage that, if you can structure your launch or structure your marketing campaigns to have that consistency instead of a one-off spike, then you are greatly increasing the chances that Amazon will start supporting you and recommending your book to lots of readers. And promo stacking then is the easiest way to do that. Like it's complicated doing this, you know, with your list and Facebook ads and everything else. But promo stacking is a really easy way to, to start um, exploring this technique because all you've got to do is book your ads on different days with the reader sites. And some of them will let you explicitly pick a day. Others like ENT, you kind of take what you're given. Um, but it's such a good site that, you know, that's worth doing. Um, but with other ones, most of them these days, you can pick a date on the calendar. So it's a lot easier than it used to be to do promo stacking. Whereas before it was a bit more of guesswork. But these days you can actually pick the days in the calendar, block them off and try and more or less have an even spread across the five days or maybe seven days if you're doing a Kindle countdown deal. So you mentioned uh, even uh, evenly across, but I know that there are some sites that you know say that it's ideal to try to almost um, scale them. Do you recommend doing it where you try to do like the sites that it maybe won't have as great of a chance of getting sales and kind of work the, work your way up to like the book bub at the end, or does it really matter? Have you found? Uh, I well, it's it gets quite technical, but let me make it very simple. What you're overall shooting for is a consistent level of sales, but increasing, if anything. So you don't want to dip, right? So the best way to ensure that you don't have a dip is to, to scale it. But I just wouldn't take that to the extreme where you have a very small day one, and then a kind of a medium day two, and then a really big day three. I like to finish strong always with a promotion. I think that's, that's good for a number of reasons. Um, but I, I don't like to start very, very small. So I will start relatively strong and then just scale it up a little bit every day. That makes sense. That makes sense a lot. And like you said, some of the promo sites, you can't even um, choose the day. So you kind of have to work around 
you know, if you get your book bub deal on the day you launch, well, then that might be day one that you're trying to do your promo stacking and you're not going to go up higher than that unless you're working with ad spend on, on top of that. So that's craziness. Yeah, well, it's, okay, so- it, it's almost impossible to, to, to balance it out when you do have a book bub. But um, in that case, then I would, I would tend to have it towards the end of the, towards the, end of the promotion. But with a book bub, again, you really do take what you're given and you're lucky to get it. So I think, you know, trying to balance the promo kind of goes out the window when you have a book bub feature deal, unless you have insane amount of money to spend on Facebook ads. But you're getting throws, thrown so high in the charts that, you know, if you can get a stick anywhere on the way down, then, you know, you're doing fine. Absolutely. So like I said, with, you, with this particular video, you did such a great job explaining everything in detail. And then you go on even further to give the, the blog posts. And so you give some really great um, recommendations on how to stack everything. Uh, one of the ones that I was surprised about, though, was in your discounted one, uh, you recommended Robin Reads for uh, those with 99 cents, if you can only pick one. And you, you did that with free booksy as well for the free version, which that one totally made sense in my brain. But why, why Robin Reads? What kind of, do you have any um, experience with that? And why would you choose that one? Well, it was, very, it was a very close call, honestly, between Robin Reads and ENT. And the reason why, the sole reason I picked Robin Reads is because not as many people are aware of it as ENT, whereas most people know ENT already. So I just wanted to highlight Robin Reads as well. But I think I recommended three there pretty strongly out of the five or six to try and indicate, you know, if you've got a lower budget, go for these guys. If you've got more to spend, loop in these three as well. And then Fussy Librarian, in fairness to it, um, it's better for free books. But considering the low cost of a 99 cent promotion there, I think that's a good one to throw into the mix. So th- there's not much between them in, t- in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of uh, relative cost, in terms of like sale, per sale cost uh, between the three of those. So I think they're all worth doing. And I would, I would always do all three of those when I was doing a 99 cent promotion. And I'd probably throw in a few others as well, depending on which particular genre the book was. Like if it was science fiction and fantasy, I would definitely include Book Barbarian. That's a very strong one. For any yep. science fiction fantasy books and then there's a bunch of romance ones that I, I don't write romance and i've never promoted a romance book but um there's red roses romance i think some people like and then there's the the other romance one that i can't remember off the top of my head Love romance reads or something like that no it's a different one um it's i can't remember it's on it's on the list of, of book promo sites anyway there's a there's another specialist site for mystery thriller and suspense which is book adrenaline which is run by the same guys as Book Barbarian. It's not quite as powerful, but then I think it's about half the price. So it kind of works out, works out as well. But I, I just wanted to highlight in the post that there, there was a different set of recommendations for free books and, and for 99 cent books, because some, some sites would be much stronger with freebies. Like free booksy, or sorry, uh, Fussy Librarian is now one of, the, one of the big, like it's really grown a lot in the last year or two. So if you only tried it a couple of years ago and you didn't see big numbers, I would recommend giving it another world because that's probably the fastest growing free site at the moment. Um, free books obviously is brilliant. Like if that's aside from BookBub, easily the best one for freebies. Awesome. Yeah, I've, I've used free booksy. In fact, uh, I recently talked with uh, Clayton Noblet at Written Word Media. We were talking a lot about, you know, free booksy versus um, bargain booksy. And now obviously we have this uh, series promo using free booksy, which is something that I wanted to talk to you about because you, you mentioned that in the blog post and he mentioned it when we were talking and I was like, how did I not know about this? Like really, like was I under a rock with this? I have two series. I should really be using this. But you mentioned that they have this series promo thing that's relatively new, I guess. So I'm just wondering if you could give the, my audience a, an idea of how that, that works and if you've used it in the past and what kind of results you've had. 
Yeah, I have used it and it's great. And uh, a bunch of my friends have used it as well with, with, with spectacular results, actually. Um, and this is brilliant. In case, in case anyone thinks I'm, remo- I'm remotely biased, right? I love, <laughs> I, I love free Booksy's free promos. Bargain Booksy, I haven't had personally that great results with. And I don't think it, it really compares to free Booksy at all. And I never had or I never heard that good reports on their new release thing, the new in books. But the free Booksy series promo is genuinely brilliant. <laughs> Um, in terms awesome. of um, cost and return, it's probably one of the best promotions out there and would even compare very favorably to BookBub feature deals, not in terms wow. of absolute scale, but in terms of just sheer instant profit. Um, and it's a fairly unique promotion and, you know, fair play to them. They really listened to author feedback on this. They heard a bunch of us saying that, you know, we were running ads to our series pages now on Amazon with Facebook ads and BookBub ads. And they thought, well, here's something we could do around this that nobody else is doing. And it's a really great promotion because uh, not only does it run traffic straight to your series page on Amazon, and what you will find when you do that, whether it's with a free Booksy series promo or a Facebook ad, if you're running discounts across the series, you will get people buying the entire series all at once. And the more discounts you run across the series, the more you will see that effect. And it's pretty cool to see a bunch of new people coming in and buying your entire series at once. Because you now, aside from the money, right, which is good, I I like money. I would like more of it. <laughs> but aside wouldn't from we that, all? wouldn't we all? <laughs> aside from that, um, one big problem we all face when we run a free promotion, even when we do it with BookBub or something, and you get you know thirty thousand downloads or whatever, is a lot of those books rather frustratingly will sit in someone's TBR pile possibly forever. And in case right. anyone doubts how long readers genuinely will hoard a book. I haven't had a book of my own in Kindle Unlimited for over four years, and I still get reads on those books. So that's how long people will hoard it. And they only get to borrow 10 books at a time. So there's a strong incentive not to hoard, and they still do it. So it's even worse with freebies, right? Sure, if you take your own Kindle, right, and really go to the back of the archive, you'll see a whole bunch of free books that you never even looked at. And, you know, it only costs people a click and they just forget about it. They move on to the next thing and they're not invested in it in the, in, in, the, in the monetary sense, right? They don't have skin in the game. But if you can convince someone to buy two, three, four books at the same time, you better believe that's going to go to the top of their TBR pile. So what I've personally found, and I'd love to hear from other authors if they found something similar when they run either the free books you want or, or other, their own series promotions with series page ads. What I personally see, and this is my favorite part of it, is that people don't hoard those books. They jump on them right away. They either drop what they're reading and they start reading the series, or they make it the next, the very next thing they read. Because you've got three or four books by that author on your Kindle now, and it's guilting you because you've bought all of them. You paid money for a few of them. Right. So you're <laughs> going to read them, right? Um, so that's, that's really wonderful. So it's a, it's a really cool promotion. They spend time actually building the, a really kind of attractive page for readers. If you're not subscribed to their, um, their, their, the free books email, I recommend doing it just to see what these actually look like. Um, for sure. And they, they cost a little bit more, but instead of a free promotion where you're, you're hoping to get sell through or signups or, or whatever, you know, future benefit down the line, you get a lot of instant income because people will buy, you know, the entire series at once because they're actually sending the traffic to the series page. And I think they link to the individual books as well. Um, so they'll do a hard push on the free book one. And then they'll say, pick up the rest of the series here. And they link to the series page. And I think they link to the individual books as well uh, because international readers, I think the series page will only work in Amazon US. Um, gotcha. 
and Amazon UK. I think they're the only two countries with serious pages in, in English language anyway. And, and it's really powerful. And people will, if you, de- if you discount the other books in this series, now they strongly recommend running a 99 cent deal on the book two when you're doing yep. it with a free book one, which I re- recommend anyway, just because I personally find that if there's a big step up in price from the freebie to the, to the book two, even if it's the 2.99, you'll lose quite a lot of people. But if you make it 99 cent, you get it's a lot easier, more people. Yes. Yeah. So you see more of that instant sell through, which I always like to cultivate because then I feel like I'm not going to be hoarded. I'm going to be, I'm going to be read because I want to be read as well as just like selling books. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So with that in mind, then even though the free book C or the free book promos are obviously you're going to get a better traction, you're going to get more downloads. Do you think that they're still worth as much as then the 99 cent promos or how, how do you, how do you think those two fare against each other? You mean, is it better if you're like, you know, let's say you're running a promo and you're trying to decide whether to do a free promotion or a 99 cent one? Yeah, let's forget, forget I, the series for a moment. It's just one book. Even though you might get a thousand downloads for your free book, you know, you, like you said, it might sit in the <laughs> to be read pile forever. It, do you think it's there, it still has value that way? Or do you think... Would, would, yeah, would, how, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And now it depends if you're, it depends if you've got several books out or you don't. And if you're in Kindle Unlimited or you're not, that, those will change my answer a little bit. So maybe I'll run through all four uh, use cases, if you like. Because sure. That's not too corporate. Um, if you've only got one book out there and it's a standalone, I don't see the point in doing a free promotion personally, unless you're explicitly using it to, you know, drive email signups for a launch that's about to come, unless you have a very specific plan. If you're just doing it, you know, just to get it out there, I don't think it's going to do a huge amount for you. But if it's the first book in a series, then obviously you're going to be seeing read through and sell through, and it can be an income generator for you. It's a bit different if you're in Kindle Unlimited because the way the algorithms work and, and page read income and all that, doing a, doing a free run just on its own just can be lucrative on its own. Once you're able to generate enough downloads, a kind of a critical mass. Like I usually, back when I was in Kindle Unlimited or when I was running promotions for other authors, I didn't tend to see much of a page read spike uh, after the promotion, unless you got around maybe 5,000 downloads, maybe a little bit more in Amazon US. So. It's kind of a high bar. You need to be running a few free promotions unless, unless you're running a book bub, then you're fine. Right. Um, but once you got over that point, then I would tend to see, you know, a few days after promotion, we tend to see a spike in page reads and sometimes a really good spike. Um, and that would continue onwards and really, you know, pay for itself. Um, but in general, I think free is best used. Like I love free. I love using free as a tool. It's one of my favorite tools. But I think it's best used as part of an overall plan. I think you need you need either a very specific reason to be doing it, or you need to have a fair few books out there to make it work. Um, gotcha. But but in general, when you when you are an experienced author and you have a few things out there, and your you know email side of things is getting a bit slicker and all that, I like to switch between the two tactics. So if I'm promoting a series and I might be doing one promotion, you know, around the time of a launch or something, I might I might I might make the first book free temporarily. Um, and then run a few discounts on maybe book two and three as well, depending on how long the series is. But then the next time I'm doing a launch, say three months later, I won't necessarily do, even if it goes really, really well, I won't necessarily just repeat it. I'll do something different the next time. Because I think because the, the selection of sites is different for free books and 99 cent books, I think you're reaching different demographics as well and different crowds. And so I think, you know, if you keep repeating the same tactic all the time, 
um, it just that well will go dry. So I like to switch it up, let the field go a little bit fallow, reach some different people and different eyeballs and just it keeps it fresh for me as well. It keeps me on my toes, um, which I think is an important part of the equation as well. So I like to mix it up. Okay, so there's a lot of authors, probably more so the newbies who who like are thinking about this whole concept of free promotions or even promo stacking with discounts and wondering, you know, well, I don't really, you know, maybe I only have one book, maybe I only, only have a couple of books, so I don't really want to discount it. Can't I still do promotions or promotion stacking with a full price book? Uh, can that be done or do they need to seriously be rethinking that strategy? Well, this is kind of book marketing El Dorado. Like, how do I sell <laughs> lots and lots of full price books to, to anybody that I want to? Um, yeah. I think it's sometimes I think it's like it's asking a bit much to um, have a marketing method, which will just work with like a light switch or a tap that will instantly convert strangers into wanting to buy your books all the time at full price. It can work. You know, you can sell books on Facebook at full price. You can even do it on BookBub, which is a deal site at full price, but it's very difficult. And even someone that's very experienced or has very well presented or popular books will struggle because it's an audience looking for deals. So I think the best way, I think people are coming at that question, especially newbies are coming at that question the wrong way. The best way to sell lots of books at full price is to develop fans and to develop super fans, especially, and to grow your mailing list, to grow your readership. And the way you do those things is via discounts, right? So like, I'm not like the bargain king or something. I do sell most of my books. <laughs> at full. That'd, be, that'd be a great business card, actually, the bargain king. Um, I love it. <laughs> I do sell most of my books at full price and I do sell most of my books at $4.99. Um, but you get to that point, you grow your audience or one of the easiest levers to, to, to getting new people to try your work is with a, a discount, right? Or, or a free promotion because you're reducing the resistance. They don't know who you are. They don't know your name. They probably haven't read a review of your books or they mightn't have heard another you know, human being recommending your book. So the best way to get to someone to take a chance is to drop your price and then to advertise that discount on promo sites or wherever else. Now, then you can, yeah. you can turn, but just, I, I always hear authors talking about, you know, free hunters or bargain hunters and, and in a pejorative way, but you can convert a free hunter or a bargain hunter into a full price reader, you know, as long as you've done your job with the book. And even if, even if you couldn't, people forget that these people have friends, you know, a lot of these people who <laughs> right, that's a good point. are downloading free books, they might be retired people, they might be on a fixed income or they might, they might just mightn't have that much money to spend on books. But they could end up telling, you know, 10, 20, 50 people that, you know, they should read this book and they could end up putting a lot of money in your pocket. So, you know, I, I don't think people should be too dismissive about so-called uh, freeloaders, especially, you know, when, yeah. when the economy is looking a little bit rocky and there might be more of them knocking around soon enough. Um, but yeah, you, you use those levers. Like I always look at price like a, as a tool. Uh, free, promote, free is, you know, another very powerful tool for me. And I want to use those tools to grow an audience of people that are happy to pay full price for my books. Absolutely. Well, and some of the best ways to be able to pull people into that uh, newsletter that you were talking about, too, is to use your books um, as a, like a free promotion or a reader magnet coming into your reader list or your email list and be, being kind of more into your ecosystem altogether as well. So then it, you don't even necessarily need to use a promo site or promo stacking in order to give the discount. You can do it straight from your website, assuming that you're not in KU. And use that to, to kind of leverage your, your newsletter and build, like you said, that, that base of fans. Yeah, I think like, like reader magnets are, are the most powerful thing that you can do to grow your list. It's certainly been the biggest driver of growth for me, like by far. And 
again, I think sometimes authors use them a little bit in the wrong way. Like sometimes they will, you know, they will put their perma-free book as their reader magnet. And I don't really see the point of that. They, somebody can get it from Amazon, which is easier. Why would they, you know, go through the couple of extra steps via book funnel or whatever to get your reader magnet? Why would they sign up to their list? It's not really, you know, exclusive or, or enticing in my opinion. And sometimes people offer a book that's on sale on Amazon. Now that's, that's a little bit better because you're, you are actually giving something now that people can't get elsewhere. You're giving them basically a discount, right? But I think to really work the reader magnet strategy well, you need to have a reader magnet. For me, a reader magnet, a good reader magnet has two essential qualities. It's enticing. So it's something that readers actually want and it's exclusive. They can't get it anywhere else. So the time I have, when I have had most success with reader magnets is when I've taken something that I knew I could make money with and gave it away for free. You know, it wasn't like I was looking, you know, here's a book that's no longer selling. I'll just make a reader magnet out of it. It was something that I knew I could sell. I could launch this and I could make money with it. And I'm going to give it away for free and make the only place people can get it on my list. And that will lead to huge mailing list growth for you. I think that's definitely huge. I mean, you, like, especially like when you think about your starting from zero course, I think it is such an incredibly valuable course. And, and the amount of information that you go into in there for free is just, it's absolutely beneficial to anybody who's starting out and who's looking at, you know, how to do just this indie author game in general. So I, I think that works in so many different ways, but I know it works obviously with uh, the types of books that you give away as well. So it's, I think you're right, right there on the money for sure. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we should remember the enticing part as well, you know, because I think there is a danger sometimes that, you know, you have like a short story, which doesn't really fit your brand. And then I see some people making that their reader magnet. I'm like, well, then, you know, if you're attracting, let's say you're writing contemporary romance and you've written a romantic suspense or something that doesn't quite fit with your brand. Why would you have that as your reader magnet? You're just going to be attracting people who maybe don't like contemporary romance. You know, I think it should be, it should be like, I, I see some people doing interesting things now where they have two reader magnets. And I like this idea. It has, it's not something I've tried myself, but it is something I'm considering doing in the future where they have one, which is essentially for fans and one, which is essentially for new to you readers. Right. And right. the idea is that, you know, you might have something which could be like an off cut from your, from your book, or maybe a couple that didn't, didn't quite get it on in the main book or, or something like that. Some little subplot that, you know, something that was really like catnip for, for existing fans and that will turn them into super fans. And then, but that wouldn't quite work as, you know, someone coming to you completely cold that hasn't read one of your books yet. Um, you might need a different reader magnet there. So if you're doing something like an aggressive mailing list growth strategy where you're leaning a lot on Facebook ads, you might consider having a different reader magnet that will appeal more to people who haven't read any of your stuff yet. Because I think right. I think people are pretty good at coming up with reader magnets that existing readers will like and getting existing readers onto your list. But you have to remember there's another group of readers as well who might be interested in joining your list who haven't necessarily read anything of yours yet. So that's not something I've personally done yet. I'm, I'm exploring it. But I've seen some people do it, and it's a really, really interesting strategy. Have you ever looked at uh, one of the things that made me think of is like Mark Dawson talks a lot about how he's done um, starter libraries in the past where it's like, the, the first books in certain aspects of series. So for example, if you have multiple series, do you give three, three book ones away and let them kind of choose what track to go down? Have you ever tried something like that or, or looked into things like that before? Uh, I haven't, I haven't tried that personally. Um, the question I would have about that is, you know, 
is it not better to have one which is super enticing, you know, and use that to draw people in and then turn the others into, into permafreeze everywhere and just increase the different kind of sources of readers coming into you? I don't know. Sure. Um, you, you would probably have to yeah. try both and compare to see the results, but that's would be my gut reaction to that. Right. It was one of those things that I was looking at last year when I was um, launching that big series and I was trying to decide, do I want to do, you know, a starter library to pull more people into my list? And it, it was a concept where I was like, well, I'll give it a try for a little bit and see if it makes a difference. And for me, at least, I, I didn't notice like a huge difference between people wanting a starter library versus wanting a just a single freebie. So it was one of those things I kind of like set to the side and just did one book instead or one uh, freebie book. But it was, inter- it was an interesting concept at the time, just kind of like going, huh, let's, let's see if that works. But maybe the, the thinking was like box sets are so attractive. Like what if you gave people a box set as a reader magnet? So I can understand why, you know, the thinking behind it. But from my perspective, just as a reader, maybe, maybe other readers feel differently. But just putting my reader hat on, like one really enticing free book is going to appeal to me maybe more. And maybe it's easier to market that because you can, you know, you, you have a tagline for that book. You have you know, a bit of marketing sales copy. It's easier graphically to make, make, you know, a Facebook ad for something like that, I think. And it's just a bit more focused, I think. So I think if you have one really attractive thing, I think putting two half attractive things beside it doesn't make it more attractive overall. It might even make it less because you're kind of, you know, you're kind of muddying the picture a little bit, maybe. I don't know. I think so too, a little bit, because then it's like, okay, which book do I read first then? If I've got three different books and they're all kind of equally sounding okay, and then, it, then you kind of get that whole cognitive dissonance where it's like, nope, I'm not going to read any of them because I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, that's, we don't want that either. I, I think that is a danger, especially in the, the kind of, um, I think it was Jeff Bezos or was one of those internet entrepreneur people who said something like, um, the currency of the internet is attention, right? Yeah. And, and there's always so much distraction everywhere that I'm always trying to think about the pathway that a reader takes from, you know, not knowing anything about me to being a super fan and all the different stages along the way. And I, and I just, I always worry, like I, I spend a lot of time thinking about things like my end matter at the back of my books. I know authors like to list out every single thing they've written there and put it on all the links. And, and they're like, well, you know, you never know where you might pick up a sale. I get it. But in my personal view, it's much better just to really train the focus on the one or two things that you want the reader to do. You're going to, you're going to almost definitely want to sign up to your mailing list and you probably want them to buy book two in the series. And you can list all the other books there if you wish, you know, you can. Um, but in terms of focus, I think sometimes there's a danger of letting that focus get diffused a little bit too much. And you really want to kind of narrow, narrow beam that, you know, on the two, one or two things that are truly important. I think that's really powerful. It's, that's so important for people, especially authors to, to remember. I think we kind of get uh, stuck in this, this trap where we've got like all the, the hats that we're, we're wearing, all the different things that we're doing that we think we have to do all the things all the time. And it's kind of a shotgun method, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Versus totally. really, really getting, really getting our skills honed and doing the, the one thing that does you know, work really well, the 80-20 rule, whatever, however you want to describe it. And um, I think that's really a, a good reminder for people, even, even myself. I mean, I, I tend to focus like back matter wise, um, the two main things I want to have happen right away. And then if people, you know, tend to keep flicking, then sure, you can then look at the other stuff, you know, the other books or whatever. But I always start with, you know, what it is I really want them to, to be thinking about next first. And I, I think that's just, it's very important for authors to remember to do that sort of thing. 
Okay. So we've talked about a lot more than just promo stacking today, which was awesome. Thank you so much for doing that because <laughs> you are like the marketing guru. You are one of the people that I love going, going back to and seeing, I mean, your website is like Dave Chesson's on Kindlepreneur. It's like you start at one thing and you're in there for hours because it just goes from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. It's amazing. Oh, thank so you. <laughs> it really is. It's fantastic. You have done such a great job. So where is the best place for everyone to, to come find you and to learn about your courses, your books, everything? Where do they go? Well, the, the website's a good start. Um, unfortunately, I have one of these names that's, well, it's easy for me to pronounce, <laughs> you would think, <laughs> but people don't know how to spell it, davidgochran.com. Um, but if you go to marketingwithastory.com, which people should be able to spell, and that will redirect you to my website. So it's a handy one to throw out there on, on podcasts and the like. Awesome. That's fantastic. And I'll make sure to post everything inside the, the show notes for today as well. So that if anyone wants to make sure they're clicking to the right site, we, we've got you covered. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so grateful that you said yes when I reached out and was like, hey, I know this is like this weird, weird chick kind of reaching out out of nowhere, but I loved your, your promo uh, stacking video. I want you to come talk about it. <laughs> so I appreciate you saying yes. Well, thanks for having me along. This is pretty much the only way I get out of the, the, out of the house <laughs> these days. So I was very grateful for the opportunity. Absolutely. It's, a, it's about all, the only time I get out as well. It's really weird. It's not even out, but it's in, it's out. I don't know. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I am looking forward to seeing more coming from your camp and all the, the great stuff that you got coming up on your site. All right, cool. Thank you very much. Well, there you have it, my friends. Wasn't that a fantastic interview? Now, I don't know about you, but don't be surprised if you have to listen to this episode a couple of times. I know I'm going to have to. But there's so much value packed into this tiny little space. So heck, if you want to deepen your experience, did you know you can also head over to the Author Revolution YouTube channel and watch the unedited video interview? Yeah, you can. Now, don't worry. There were a lot of things covered, so I'll make sure to link to everything in today's show notes. I'll also make sure the video is linked, as well as David's website, his free course, his video on promo stacking, and so much more. Head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash 69 to get the details. So one last thing. I don't know if you can tell, but the winds of change are sweeping through the landscape of this podcast, my friends. Going forward, you're going to be seeing and hearing a lot more from other industry experts as I recruit some of the most talented minds in the business to be on the podcast. You can just call me the indie author Oprah. I mean, because man, this is fun. (laughs) If you like today's podcast episode, be sure to leave a review or drop a star rating so others will know that there's gold within this space. Also, make sure you head over to David's website and sign up for either his free course or his email marketing tips email. You'll get his exclusive title following, as well as weekly marketing tips to rock the indie author space. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. Go forth and start your author revolution. This podcast episode has been brought to you by four amazing people. Daphne Garrison, Tammy Tyree, Quinn Ward, and Scarlett Braden, who are Author Revolution Podcast Patreon supporters. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon to find out what the awesome membership levels are and what you end up getting. 
The Author Revolution podcast is here to provide tips, tricks, and tools for embracing a prolific author mindset and making your dreams of becoming a full-time author a reality. In order to continue providing the quality content you've come to know and love, I would appreciate your support. As a one-woman show, the podcast takes a lot of time away from other tasks like writing. (laughs) Plus, your support also makes this mompreneur's heart smile. Head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon.